fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, it's time to get locked in. To the best Sooner recruiting and football news with Tyler McComas and Parker Thune. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Hit the guys up on the Riverwind Casino calling line at 405-329-9000. Text the show on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Do it! Just do it! Now, with Locked In, here's Tyler McComas and Parker Thune. Gotta tell you guys, it's uh, really nice. When 22 hours before the show starts, you already know what the lead is going to be the next day. 22 hours before the show even started, I I knew exactly where we were going in the opening segment. Thanks to Parker Thune for that. Thanks to Adam Gorney, Gorndog as well. Gorndog! Because we were doing, we're, we're, we're right in the middle of a segment during the rush yesterday. I look over, see a text from Parker. What's what's Parker want? What's what's he got here? And it is a screenshot of a tweet from Adam Gorney himself that says, After much speculation, four-star tight end Lincoln Cure from Goodland, Kansas, confirms with me he will visit Oklahoma this weekend. Parker will watch him play basketball tonight, but it seems as though one of, if not the biggest questions for this junior day this weekend has been answered. Four-star elite tight end Lincoln Cure will be in town. How about that? Yeah, this is Oklahoma's opportunity. This is their opportunity to make an impression with one of the nation's finest prospects, regardless of position. It's going to be his first trip to Norman. He will be, to the best of my knowledge, the only tight end on campus this weekend. So you would figure Joe John Finley Well, he's not going to really have much choice but to prioritize Lincoln Cure. I can't think of a reason why you wouldn't want Lincoln Cure on your roster, but even if for whatever reason Joe John Finley didn't, well, he really doesn't have anybody else to hang with tomorrow. Lincoln Cure is his guy, which is exactly how you want it if you're an Oklahoma fan. Yeah, it kind of works out well this week. And you said, here's OU's chance, and that's that's what it really feels like, right? Like, it's not going to be over after this weekend. Uh, He's not going to commit to OU this weekend. But you can really make some strides in that recruitment, him being the only tight end on campus. Like, yeah, it's a, it, we got a long way to go here. It's just February 2nd, but this is uh, potentially a big weekend for uh, tight end recruiting in the 2025 class for OU. Now, we'll talk about um, a lot of different angles of this junior day coming up this weekend. We're probably mostly going to talk about Lincoln Cure, though, because this is such a big visit. And rivals didn't even have him today as they, they do this on Friday, 10 most intriguing visits this weekend. They didn't even have Lincoln Cure on that list of 10. They had Terry Bussey going to A&M, which I do think would be on the 10, but I, I guess I was a little bit surprised here. Maybe they didn't confirm this until the article was out, but this is, um, I mean, w- would you be willing to say this is the biggest visitor OU has in this weekend? Uh, yes, without question. There is none that compares to the magnitude of Lincoln Cure's visit, just because you don't know when you're going to be able to get him on campus again. If you're going to be able to get him on campus again, right? Like, what you know for the moment is that you have one of the most coveted prospects in the entire nation coming to campus for the first time. You are, because of geographical proximity, one of the few schools that is in position to make a legitimate charge 
at his commitment over the next few months. And you really got to make this one count. And so, yes, I would say, look, there are other important visitors that will be in town, no doubt about that, but none that are quite as important as Lincoln Cure. Six foot six, two twenty. Uh, just some offers he has. He's got an Auburn offer. He's got a Florida offer. Of course, he's got a KU K State offer, a Michigan offer, Notre Dame offer. Uh, he's got an Oregon offer, Penn State offer, Oklahoma offer, Tennessee, A and M, USC. Lincoln Cure, as you would imagine, got some uh, big time offers out as the number sixty seven player nationally, number one player in the state of Kansas. But do you think he knows? Do you think he knows what we talk about all the time or always have to bring up when we talk about oh, yes, Lincoln he Cure? He, 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 knows. he knows. He knows. What do, what do you think There's he what do you think he thinks about The very first conversation I ever had with him actually. The very first cuz he hit, he hit me up and he asked. He's like uh, it was it might have even been before his OU offer came, but I had started talking about him on social media and he sent me a text and he was like what 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 is it about my name that has Oklahoma fans so enraptured? Nice. Like, oh, if only you knew. So I explained it all to him, and he was like, "Yep, that makes sense." So he's he's a good sport about it. Then he he thinks it's at least yes, uh, comical. Okay, very good. I, uh, I I like to hear that. And good on you for relaying the entire story, so he uh, he knows the situation with his name. Well, you, uh, you're out there what, a, a couple hours uh, away from Goodland, Kansas, where he's from, to see him play basketball tonight. What are the big questions that you want to, uh, d- that you want to ask him this evening? What, what are the questions that you need answered from Lincoln Cure before his visit? Ah, man. That's, you know, it's, I don't really feel like I have any pressing questions that need answered. It's more just obviously out here to see what he looks like in person. I've never seen the kid with my own two eyes. And so get the get a first opportunity to do that tonight, but also just generally take the temperature of that recruitment. You know, you've seen some predictions fly in for Kansas State. Uh, kind of get a sense of where things stand heading into this weekend, what he's excited about as it pertains to this Oklahoma visit. And, oh, gosh, I just realized he plays basketball at 730 tonight. Ooh. Which means if he has to go straight here or, or straight to Norman from Holcomb, oh boy, you're getting into like 2 a.m. at the earliest. It's going to be a late night for our boy. What times the junior day get underway? They uh, they they used to the 11 a.m. kickoff, so the staff still getting uh, everyone up there at about 8 a.m. They get started pretty early. Yep, I think it it's usually about nine that things get rolling for one of those days. Well, uh, we'll let's let's hope Lincoln Cure can get down there in time with uh, plenty of sleep to enjoy the day tomorrow. But that that is uh, that's big news for the second biggest uh, recruiting weekend in the 2024 calendar that uh, that he'll be in town this weekend. I what about this with tight end? Because we talk so much about the tight end position in 2025, and we'll continue to do so. OU's got out offers out to the number three tight end Lincoln Cure. The number four tight end, Desan Brame. The number five tight end, Nate Roberts. So three of the five we talk about as OU possibilities. Do we have a sense of how OU evaluates that three? Like which of the three they like best? Which of the three that they'll pursue more than the other? Like, do you have an idea of how the staff views the, the three that they're in on right now? Well, they view all three as takes regardless of what the rest of the room looks like. I, I, I truly think 
if all three of those guys wanted to commit to Oklahoma, the Sooners would find a way to take all three because they're three game changers. Now, I look, is there a hierarchy? Is there a pecking order? I'm sure there is. You know, I'm not privy to exactly what Oklahoma's recruiting board looks like, and even if I were, that probably isn't a detail that uh, the staff would want me sharing. But what I do know is that generally the way that this staff operates is they have a whole bunch of guys at the top of their board that they essentially designate as plan A guys. And a plan A guy is somebody where if he picks up the phone and he calls you and he says, I want in, then he's in. There's no question about it. You're taking his commitment. And I guess what I'm trying to communicate in saying all of that in a very long-winded manner is that Nate Roberts, Sasan Bray, and Lincoln Cure, those are all plan A guys. Beyond that, you start to get to you start to get into the plan B crowd. And I think the plan B crowd starts with Chase Lofton from up there in Omaha. Well, I mean, they, all three of those could also be top 150 players um, in any year's time. I, it's hard to turn down a top 150 player. And I think all three of those guys, again, could be that. So I would I would tend to agree. If there was a world where they could get all three of those tight ends, I very small possibility, but it's it's hard to turn down three players like that of uh, of that caliber, man. Those are three big time football players. Big time football yeah, players. They're studs. they're studs and you get one of the three. Heck, you get two of the three, that's a coup. But even if you only end up with one of the three, man, any of those three guys is gonna be a weapon that adds an amazing dimension to this Oklahoma passing attack because they just they haven't had a tight end that gifted in a while. Braden Willis was good. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to take anything away from Braden Willis, but I would say that the last time the Sooners had a tight end as gifted as the trio of Nate Roberts, Hassan Raymond, Lincoln Carey, you got to go all the way back to Mark Andrews, yep. I would say. By the way, a listener in the 785 which is here in Kansas, did ask, is Parker aware of Holcomb's mascot and colors? Yeah, Tyler, they're the Longhorns. Oh, no. They're the Longhorns, mm. and they wear burnt orange. Really? Jeez. Yeah. See, yeah, I, and we've talked about this before. There's too many schools in Oklahoma with the nickname mascots. And really, uh, at least Jones, they're they're green, and they're the Longhorns. But Alec, Alec's orange, and they're the Longhorns. Like how is that allowed in the state? How 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 is that? How does the O uh, S S A A not hammer those schools for being orange and being uh, with the Longhorns nickname? Well, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. if They're Lincoln Cure ought to be pulled, yes, cancel I, them. I agree. Yeah, maybe Lincoln Cure will throw down a dunk and and uh, throw down the uh, inverted <laughs> Longhorn tonight. Please get a photo of that if it happens. Please. Oh man, oh man, that would be amazing. You know I will. I'll be on it. Oh, I mean that—that's at least a two thousand like tweet. If you get Lincoln Cure throwing down the uh, the Longhorns tonight out there, that would be uh, that'd be sweet. Lamar from the nine one eight says, "Tell Lincoln he can have Mark Andrews' number. Give him number eighty one. I don't know what number he wears in football, but Lamar says he can have eighty one. What number does he? I think he wears number three. On the gridiron. I think he wears number three, which every, everybody these days wants a single-digit number. You know what we need? We need more wide receivers and tight ends wearing numbers in the 80s. We need more linebackers wearing numbers in the 50s. We need more. We, like, oh, gosh, I guess I can't 
I, I can't take a dig at David Stone because David Stone is the five-star and he gets yeah. to do what he wants. But David Stone's wearing number zero. Stop with the single-digit numbers. Have Four, some respect for tradition. 405, you think if they took all three, they would be looking to position change any of those guys? Well, I don't, I don't know uh, that you could get them on the premise of changing their uh, position at, at, at any point. Not, not early yeah, on, anyway. I don't think so. I will say there's a very compelling case that – Lincoln Cure is a wide receiver. Like the reason he's classified as a tight end right now is because he has tight end size. He's six foot six, two hundred and twenty pounds, but he moves like a wide receiver. And so, if you wanted to officially designate Lincoln Cure as a wide receiver and play him as such at the collegiate level, you could get away with doing that. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Hit us up on this Friday. Yes, we'll talk. Uh, the big junior day weekend coming up and everything else going on with OU recruiting. But tell me how this sounds as a tease for next segment. We have mail. And Parker and I have mail from Doug and Norman. It, it got in yesterday. I have not opened the mail, Parker. I have no idea what it is. But we'll reveal coming up next segment what Doug and Norman sent us both in the mail <laughs> yesterday. That ought to be fascinating. Uh, hit us up on the text line. We'll get to that and a whole lot more right here on The Ref. We're the Homo Sooner fans. This is The Ref Sports Radio Network. The reigning back-to-back national champion OU women's gymnastics team continues their home season on Friday, February 9th at 645 at the Lloyd Noble Center. The Sooners host BYU, TWU, and Utah State for Era's Night as we celebrate our championship era with Taylor Swift-themed fan giveaway. Them at Cavens Group today, 405-573-3048 or online at cavensgroup.com. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref for the Homeless Suter fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, you, the ref army, listening nationwide, really worldwide today via the KREF app. Anchorage, Alaska is on the app map. Honolulu, Hawaii, San Jose, California, League City, Texas, Geneva, Alabama, Lincoln, Nebraska, small Oklahoma town of the day is Okarchi, Oklahoma. Don't forget to download our free app in the App Store. Just search K-R-E-F. Parker, I sent you a photo of the manila envelope that says Tyler and Parker locked in and then Doug from Norman there on the upper left-hand corner. I have not opened it yet. I have no idea what it is. I was going to wait till the show today. Judging from the picture that I just sent you, do you have any guess whatsoever what's inside the envelope? He got annoyed at both of us. I do want to note, he got annoyed at both of us this week. He got annoyed at you about making fun of ESPN recruiting. And he got annoyed at me for rolling my eyes about how many ESPN plus OU basketball games uh, there have been so far this year. So just let the record show that. So I can't really tell how heavy the package is based on the photo. So if I wanted to hazard a legitimately accurate guess i would need some way to gauge the thickness and the approximate weight of the package but again based based on all that's happened this week i would have to imagine it's some sort of espn propaganda material right (laughs) or some sort of note like come on guys here's what you got wrong this week if it's if hawaiian sooner is correct and it's anthrax 
Good knowing you, man. You, you picked a heck of a day to go out to see Lincoln Cure. I will, uh, I will be getting the anthrax effects, and, and you will be in the clear. But I got it right here. Having yes, it open it just yet. Let's see what we got from Doug and Norman. Unfortunately, Lincoln Cure does not equal anthrax cure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, the manila envelope from Doug from Norman. How about that? Wow. An, an issue, and I've never had one before. Dave Campbell's Texas football recruiting guide with five-star receiver oh, yeah. and Texas Tech signee, future Sand Aggie Micah Hudson on the cover. Uh, thank you, Doug. Appreciate that. Why did he leave a note at all? Like, did no. he leave any sort of indication as to why he gave this to us? No, there's no note. Just the envelope and the issue of Dave Campbell's uh, Texas football rising. It's got. Five-star receiver Micah Hudson on the front, and then a giant ad for Dairy Queen on the back. And isn't that just the most Texas thing of all time? Yep. Well, thanks, Doug. Appreciate the gift. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to look through that early next week to see what Dave Campbell is saying about the uh, 24 and the uh, 25 class. But, yeah, I appreciate that, Doug. That is uh, – it's very much appreciated. We'll, uh, I'll take a look at that probably over the weekend and come up with some content that they have in it uh, uh, throughout the weekend. National Signing Day is next week. We get the Dave Campbells a few days before National Signing Day Part 2 is going to happen. But what, what's even our storyline next week? I believe it's on Wednesday, right? Like No new 24 offers are, are out. OU is clearly going to be the class they sign in December. That's what it's going to look like next week. What is the storyline? Is there any storyline whatsoever with OU on National Signing Day uh, next week? No, there isn't. There really isn't. You just get to sit back and watch the chaos unfold. And there's not going to be anything that happens with regard to the 2024 cycle that impacts you at all. It will be interesting to see, I mean, even just for old times' sake, whether or not LSU is successful in their effort to flip Terry Bussey, who, of course, heavily considered Oklahoma and OV'd there before ultimately committing to Texas A&M back in August, September, something like that. Uh, but that's kind of he's, – he's the one guy – he's probably the highest-ranked guy whose decision is still somewhat up in the air as we head into National Signing Day. But, no, there's, there's nothing going on for Oklahoma. Nothing at all. Yeah, and I guess that's being a part of the SEC now is maybe one of your bigger storylines is, you know, a team that you're going to play next year, you know, what they're able to do on National Signing Day. So so maybe in a way, Terry Bussey could be one of the bigger storylines for OU on National Signing Day just because you're going to play Texas A&M in the future and you play LSU next year. And, you know, and maybe this is already the case with LSU. But especially if Terry Bussey picks LSU next week, you know, when Jimbo got fired and you're seeing all these players in the portal from A&M and some of the decommits that they had, I guess LSU stands to benefit the most from Jimbo's firing after flipping Dom McKinley. And if they get Terry Bussey, like LSU could be the big winner from Texas A&M's downfall the past couple of months. Well, and LSU and Texas A&M, because they are so geographically close, they're geographically closer than people realize. Because they're so close in proximity, they end up recruiting a lot of the same players, 
And I think what you'll find if you look back on it is a lot of the kids that have LSU amongst their – a lot of the local kids that have LSU amongst their final tier also have Texas A&M as a finalist and vice versa. So, I yes, when a kid decommits from one school, usually more often than not, not always, but usually they'll take a hard look at the other school – as they begin to process what their decision is going to be on the other side. Uh, okay, Sam and Edmund on the text line says Lincoln Cure is going to be a five star. Uh, is going to be a five star. Mark Andrews, let that sink in. Mark Andrews was a what a four star coming out of the state of Arizona, but Sam and Edmund says Cure is going to be he a, was a five star. star. Yeah. Mark Andrews, let that sink in. Yeah, four hundred five says well at least it wasn't ahead. Yes, thank you, Doug from Norman for not for not doing that. Um, 918 says, if it was from Gunny, we would all know what it is. That, that package may have been a little bit lighter, potentially, if it was from Gunny, as, as opposed to, to Doug. I think you're probably right about that one. Uh, Greg from Lawton says, headed to Edmond for the weekend, but I just wanted to say I called the SEC, Big Ten, and ACC coming together to legislate the rules of college football. Not saying, just saying. That is a uh, big college football story today. You, you think anything realistically is going to come out of that? The SEC and the Big Ten trying to seemingly better the game and fix some things here moving forward? I mean, whenever Greg Sankey is involved with something, I tend to believe there will actually be stuff accomplished. But I'm also wondering, like, what realistically can you hope to accomplish with this? This feels like, and I know I'm not supposed to draw this comparison, but it feels a lot like the Alliance from 2020, Tyler. It's like, okay, well, this is cool. Uh, Fun to speculate on what this might mean off a tweet from Pete Thamel. But, like, what kind of change is it going to affect realistically? My favorite memory from the whole uh, alliance between the uh, what Big Ten and the Pac-12 is that I swear it was right around a week, maybe even less than a week after that, LSU, excuse me, USC announced a neutral site game with LSU in Vegas, which is going to be happening week one next year. It was like, no, we're not going to play any of the SEC teams. I, I, think, I think that was the deal. And then uh, here, here's the alliance. Oh, USC is going to play LSU in Vegas. Never mind. So yeah, to your point, the alliance didn't really uh, amount to too much when that was uh, when that was going on a few years ago. Um, back to Junior Day weekend, and we talked a, a bunch about Lincoln Cure, Cooper Perry scheduled to be in the number one player from Arizona, a wide receiver. Any notable big time uncommitted slash committed in state prospects that will be in this weekend? Uh, in-state prospects. I'm trying. Well, you got Caden Knighton coming in. Outside of him, I don't think. I, I don't think there's anybody else from the state of Oklahoma that's going to be coming in. I mean, the thing about it is, you know, guy from within state lines, you can call him at the last minute, say, "Hey, come on down," and he can be down there, you know, within hours. So. Not ruling out that you might have a late addition or two from within the ranks of the Sooner State, but as of right now, the only one I have confirmed is uh, is Caden Knight. How, uh, how OU handles the running back situation in this class is going to be really interesting. I mean, there's already a, 
uh, Crystal Bowl in from this past weekend from a weekend visitor that's got like every offer that you could imagine, especially with SEC teams and Tory Blaylock from from Humble, Texas. But you just mentioned Caden Knighton, in-state kid. Like, there's a couple of in-state kids that they really like. But maybe they only have one, two at the most scholarship spots for a running back. I, I mean, maybe they only take one scholarship back, but seeing as they like two in-state kids, maybe they'll try to Andy Bass one or both of those guys to try to get them on campus. Yeah, and I think that's likely with one, if not both. I think one, if not both, of Caden Knighton and uh, Demarius Robinson up at Edmond Santa Fe do get the opportunity to play at Oklahoma in an incentivized PWO type of role. Uh, Cherokee Sooner says the Big Ten and our beloved SEC working together against the NCAA definitely doesn't mean that college football is about to become NFL light with two super conferences and farm system of group of three conferences. Available 24-7, the world seems to be spinning faster and faster every day. And it can be overwhelming. Sometimes we just need to unplug and take a break from our electronic devices. It can help reduce stress and allow us to reflect on the things that are really important in our lives. This message brought to you courtesy of the United States Air Force. Parker's on the road on this Friday going to see Lincoln Cure play hoops tonight. He'll be in this weekend for the junior day. He's missing out on all the fun back here in studio. I'm telling you, man, the uh, Dave Campbell's recruiting issue is already paying off. I flipped through it during the, uh, the break, and if I'm lying, I'm dying. The first page I flipped to somehow ended up on 2027 Athletes. And there is a giant picture of Ethan Booby Feaster is the first thing I saw on this uh, issue of Dave Campbell. Booby Feaster, who we haven't talked about in quite some time, apparently has over 30 uh, scholarship offers, and uh, a lot of people are trying to get him in, uh, in the class early. So it, it's, been, uh, it's been a while, but Booby Feaster, there's a giant photo of him in this Dave Campbell's. You'll be happy to know. Yeah, he's going to be the biggest thing in Texas in a year or two. Certainly by the time he's a senior. But I think, honestly, by the time he's midway through his sophomore year, he's going to be the most ballyhooed athlete in the state of Texas because he is different. They don't make many like that, dude. What what would be the reaction if we get to December and OU has the number 24 ranked recruiting class? What do you think the text line and message boards would look like if that was the case? The number 24 ranked recruiting class? Uh-huh, yeah, number 24. Oh, it'd be utter chaos. Yeah, it, it, it would be utter chaos. It'd be OU's lowest ranked class in, man, I don't even know how long. Maybe since 2000, the class that I'm about to bring up. And I heard Steely reference it. It is on our uh, Twitter page, at KREF Sports. The 2000 recruiting class signed 24 years ago today. And here's some notable players from that class. Teddy Lehman, Jamal Brown, Dan Cody, Mark Clayton, Antonio Perkins, Jimmy Wilkerson, Ronaldo Works, Will Peoples, Lance Donnelly, Wes Sims, Brandon Shelby, Gayron Allen. Parker, that class had five All-Americans 
and two national award winners in the group. It could stand toe-to-toe with any class of the Bob Stoops era, the Lincoln-Riley era, and even the Brent Venables era so far up to this point. Um, That is a hell of a class, and it was the 24th-ranked class at the time. Now, I I tend to think that we've made strides in... uh, in the recruiting side of things, maybe evaluation in 24 years. But that class was just inside the top 25, and it had five first-team All-Americans and two national award winners. It's crazy. And that's why, folks, when you have coaches that you can trust, and you know you can trust them, you don't really care what the recruiting rankings say or what – or. You you don't care where your class ranks nationally, because if you again if you got coaches that you trust and you trust that they are evaluating, recruiting, and developing the right guys for your program, guess what? They're going to end up playing good ball, and when you got twenty two guys that are playing good ball, your team is going to excel. And it did at Oklahoma there in the mid two thousands with. The likes of all those guys whose names you rattled off. I mean, geez, like the, the All-Americans, like the, the top-end talent there, but there's so much depth in that class as well. That That is a a hell of a recruiting class for Bob Stoops and company uh, in, in 2000. And that wasn't the class coming off the national championship, by the way. It's not like, oh, yeah, they ended up having a, a great class there because they had just won the national championship. No, that was... That was before that happened, and again, it was ranked as the number 24 overall class, and a lot of wins, a lot of wins in uh, in that group for sure. But yeah, in terms of the 2025 rankings, OU is uh, ranked number five right now. Notre Dame's at one, LSU's at two, Clemson at three, Ohio State at four, OU at five with the uh, nine commits that we've been talking about for quite some time. And, and I know that this is probably a difficult question, especially at this point in the calendar year. But what what does this class need? Like, what needs to happen for this to be looked at as Brent's best class? Because he, Brent said on National Signing Day in December, he thinks that the 2024 class is the best that they've gotten so far. What what do they need to get? Which position? Which players? Like, what needs to happen over the course of the next several months for him to be right back there in December saying, "Well, actually, the 25 class is the best we brought in." Well, look, it's going to be a smaller class, as I've said. So I think in terms of it's not going to be the best class they've ever had in terms of quantity. But if you're looking at it from a quality standpoint, especially per capita as opposed to collectively, then, man, you got to bring things home with your top of the board targets across the entire recruiting board. And you got your quarterback in Kevin Sperry. You've got three excellent wide receivers. I think at this point, you got to go land Michael Fasusi and or Lamont Rogers. you got to land Lincoln Cura and or Nate Roberts and potentially Desan Brame. Uh, you got to go land a guy like Trent Wilson, who's going to be making his first visit to Oklahoma on March 9th, a top 15 defensive tackle in the nation. I think because it's a smaller class, if we are going to be able to genuinely regard this as potentially the best that Venables has signed in his career as Oklahoma's head coach, then it's going to have to be a banger in terms of quality. And you're going to have to have an astronomical batting average with your plan A targets. 
Yeah, um, Jonah Williams, uh, throw him in there as well. Top 10 player nationally. Like, yep. if you want to be there, like, he's the number nine overall player, and rankings are going to change probably pretty dramatically with some of these guys over the next several months. But I don't think it's going to change too much with him. He's a five star safety right now. I don't really think that's going to change all that much with Jonah Williams. But yeah, man, like, you, you, you can't swing and miss a lot at the top. You're going to have to. You're going to have to cash in with your highest-ranked prospects that you have on the board with a smaller class to be a top-five class. And, and maybe, just maybe, like we're seeing more and more, seemingly, that these kids are committing in the summer months, maybe even before the season starts. But your success, your first year in the SEC, maybe it matters more for the 26 recruiting cycle. But you're going to still going to have uncommitted players on your board once the season starts for 2025. And if you go in and you beat Tennessee and you go beat Auburn and you go beat Texas once again this year, you get off to an incredibly hot start and people are talking about you, that will obviously help out quite a bit in 25 and in 26 as well if, you, uh, if your presence is felt in your first year in a new conference. Man, my thought, to be honest with you, is... I. I don't know if Oklahoma will have many or even any uncommitted targets when the season kicks off. I mean, they did an exceptional job this year. Or I, should, I say this year in reference to the 2024 cycle. But they did an exceptional job getting the overwhelming majority of that class committed before the season kicked off. They had 21 of their 28 pledges locked in before the season opener. With this class falling somewhere in the 20 to 22 range and with nine commits already on board, I think Oklahoma can create a bit of a feeding frenzy for those other spots such that we could we could see an early surge. We could see sure. Oklahoma have 15, 16, 17 guys on board by the end of May and then clean up throughout the summer and see where things fall from there. But all in all, I, I, I truly don't think that Oklahoma has more than two or three targets left, serious targets left uncommitted by the time the season kicks off. I think this class is going to come together pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, again, like more and more of that is happening throughout the summer months. We're looking at National Signing Day next week, and it's not just OU that's struggling looking for a storyline next week. It's There's a lot of other big-time programs out there as well, so things are wrapping up more and more in, in December. But, um, yeah, I, yeah we'll, we'll see what the target list looks like. I, and here's the thing, too, is, you know, whether you have several uncommitted targets or not, you're going to have more high-profile home games than you've had in quite some time, right? So I, in, in, in no way, do I look at it as a bad thing if you still have some uncommitted players heading into the season – because if you can get those guys in for the Tennessee game or the Alabama game in November, that should be a couple of the best home atmospheres that you've seen in, in quite some time. You haven't had that recently. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch, kind of feel as well, how those home environments in SEC conference matchups benefit Oklahoma on the recruiting trail. Because obviously, Tyler, uh, this is – a low IQ assumption, but it bears repeating. Being able to host a team like Alabama and or Tennessee for a meaningful matchup in the month of October or November 
as opposed to having a throwaway home date with a West Virginia or a Kansas. Right? A, a home game is still a home game. Like, yeah, Oklahoma football is Oklahoma football. Fans are going to show up regardless. But I think there's going to be an air of excitement and intrigue surrounding those games, regardless of who's coming to town, whether it's Alabama or whether it's somebody like South Carolina that hasn't had a ton of success in the SEC the last few years. But I think just playing in the SEC – is going to drastically impact the home football environment at Oklahoma. Uh, one text before we hit a break from San and John. Has Landon Hatchett removed his name from the transfer portal? And if yes. so, is he allowed to go back in at any time? He is allowed to go back in. Not at any time, though, because he's not a graduate transfer. So he has to wait for the portal to open back up again. But at that point, yes, he can enter into the portal. There is no limit on how many times you can enter the transfer portal. There is a limit, and there are restrictions on how many times you can actually transfer. But there is no, like, if you wanted to enter the transfer portal every single time the portal window opened up, I mean, theoretically, you could. It is, I mean, where you start to run into restrictions is when you actually transfer. But as far as entering the portal, yeah, as soon as the window is back open, Hatchet can jump right back in it. 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll close up Locked In on this Friday. Coming up next, keep it locked on the ref. Sooner softball is underway, and nobody covers it better than the Plank Show. The voice of OU softball, Chris Plank and Josh Helmer. Weekday mornings from 9 to noon on your home for Sooner fans, the ref and the KREF app. If you're looking for good times and great rewards, past enrollment is always open. Visit insurekidsnow.gov or call 1-877-KIDS-NOW. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Final segment locked in with McComas and Thune on this Friday. Dorsey Jones Buick GMC in El Reno bringing to the sour. Dorsey Jones is family owned and operated. Established in 2020, but many of their employees have been there for more than 20 years. They have all that in great pricing as well and half price oil changes on Saturdays. Go see them this weekend in El Reno. Dorsey Jones Buick GMC. 24-7 has a uh, five-star look back from the 2023 class and maybe what to expect from some of those heading into their sophomore year. PJ is the first one that's mentioned. 2023 stats, Parker. PJ had six tackles, three TFLs, one and a half sacks, and one PBU. They say this on PJ, quote, does the SEC have a sophomore breakout player of the year award can we create one of those because i'm going to go with pj go back to his recruitment lean kid he was kind of skin and bones you knew it was going to take some time for him to physically develop and for him to get his feet wet as a freshman i think that's certainly promising i want to see what he looks like after a full off season in the weight room there in Norman. I think he's a guy you need to know. I'm sure we'll have high expectations for P.J. going into year two, but 24-7 might uh, want to list him as sophomore breakout player of the year. Yeah, I think if you're not buying the stock on P.J. heading into sophomore year, it's not going to be too much longer before all of that stock is off the market. 
And trust me, he thought he was impressive last year. Uh, he'll be even more impressive when Jerry Schmidt packs another 15 pounds of muscle on him. Because I think the one thing you can kind of nitpick about him last year is that he still looked a little bit lean, right? Yep. Like, he looked fearsome. He looked intimidating, no doubt. But he still looked like a college freshman. And we saw the gains that R. Mason Thomas experienced year one to year two, right? Gaining 20 pounds of muscle, uh, not just in the span of an offseason, but in the span of a winter. He was... He played his freshman season at 222 and then showed up to spring ball at 241. So there is certainly precedent for guys at that edge position packing on a ton of added mass and muscle once they get in the weight room with Schmitty. Once that happens for P.J., and especially because he doesn't have to worry about some of those nagging injuries that were bothering him throughout the offseason a year ago, man, he's going to be able to become even more physically freaky than he already is because you get him in the weight room on a consistent regimen, man, he's going to pack on muscle, he's going to get more cut, and you're going to, like, as fearsome as he was as a freshman, he's going to be all the more so as a sophomore. Yeah, I mean, he had some real flash plays, especially early on in the season, like just some plays. Like, I remember a play he had against Tulsa, play he had against Cincinnati that's like, man, like... You're, you're seeing it right there. You're, you're seeing the true potential of this guy. It, that wasn't the case as much towards the tail end of the year, so consistency may be a big thing for P.J. I don't know if the, the freshman wall was a thing for him, but we saw the high-end plays that he made, and, yeah, he'll, he'll have big-time expectations going into uh, year two of the season. There is, there is no doubt about that. Do you want to read Guy from uh, Parts Unknown text because he wants it in a – Heavy southern accent, if you don't mind. <laughs> Your idea of a better class starts off by naming receivers. You ain't SEC ready. Well, I think it's SEC ready if you get a player in your class with the nickname Booby. Booby Feaster? That's SEC ready, okay? <laughs> I mean, surely we can all agree on that. Regardless if it's a wide receiver or which position it is, Booby Feaster in 2027 could be one of the best players uh, in uh, in all the state of Texas, I um I did read a story yesterday on ESPN. They had a big kind of rundown, like what's happened in the transfer portal, and they have their best quarterbacks in the portal, or which which quarterbacks that were in the portal this off season will have the best year. Two of the three ESPN writers think Dylan Gabriel at Oregon will uh, will have the best season this year, and when you see what's around Dylan Gabriel this season, I. I don't think that I would argue too much that DG's got to have a chance to have the best season of any portal quarterback that's out there, and, and there were some good ones that were taken this offseason. Yeah, Dylan Gabriel, I mean, wherever he had decided to play his final year of college football, he was going to be a Heisman contender, but if he wanted to make a legitimate run at the Heisman Trophy, he couldn't have landed in a much better spot than Oregon. There's a reason why he is top three, top five, on pretty much every short list of Heisman frontrunners heading into the 2024 season. It's because that system is tailor-made for him. We've seen firsthand how talented he is, and it would not surprise me at all if he's the most impactful transfer quarterback in America next year. And that includes Quinn Ewers. Ooh, wow. How about that? Well, hopefully Parker gets a photo of Lincoln Cure stuffing it on someone, dunking it, and then throwing the horns down after since he's playing the Longhorns tonight and they are orange. Hopefully that's the case. The Rush, coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans.